what's good y'all this is Bruin black thank you for joining us i know we said 808 and we just a tad bit late but we here with it hey we are we are and for those of you who are just tuning in for those of you who might be new Bruin black is a place where we talk about popular black culture from on a national level in the city of the great city of angels and here in la and um back in the day it was ucla but we're yeah. still here in la right so yeah. shout out to ucla we off sepulveda we still close yeah with it, you yeah, know you know, we you know. UCLA adjacent. <laughs> That's right. I'm Scholar P. And I'm T. Shaw. Thank you for joining us, and we love to have you here. Exactly. Um, so, as always, we want to do our uh, land acknowledgments. Yes. So, uh, we want to shout out the Gabrielino and the Tongva. We want to shout out um, the people that have owned this land, and we always want to pay these respects. Exactly, exactly. And, y'all, we, we are going to, going to be getting into a lot today. A um, lot. For, for, for those of you um, who might not be as familiar, um, a lot of times we start off uh, with a light roast, but today is just a little bit different, right? Um, today we are actually going to be bringing in a guest. Yes. Um, we are going to be bringing in one of my um, great friends, um, Kenny, um go well K kenneth but he goes by kenny williams jr um and i'm gonna tell you a little bit about my my good friend kenny um kenny is a in, in matter of fact i think he's a he's about to join us i want to make sure he, he's on here before i give him his intro yo what's up vernon hey hey tanaya can y'all wait can y'all hear me we can hear you i think so am i frozen oh you're not on yet Okay, it looks like I'm frozen from. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Hmm. Um. So I can see. So it looks like I'm frozen on my thing, but I can see y'all. Oh really? Okay. Send another request. Yeah. But as the people are waiting, right? So yeah, yeah. who is Kenny? So Kenny is a Detroit native, all right? And he is a self-described cultural critic and visual storyteller, okay? While at Michigan State University, uh, Kenny received a Bachelor of Arts degree in communications and went on to obtain his Master's of Arts degree in public relations, all right? Now, Kenny's passions include pop culture, writing, and using his skill sets actively and positively to promote the narratives of black people and black culture. All right, so right now, Kenny is a pop culture um, for the very well-known um, black news organization known as Blavity. Oh. Yes, yes. And so um, tonight, we're going to sort of be getting into a lot of things, but we really are going to be sort of talking to him about um, some of the work that he's done and published uh, thus far while at Blavity, and we're going to be talking about just the journey of black creatives, right? Um, especially in, in these times of, like, COVID, you know, yeah. everyone is sort of getting into their creative juices, right? Yeah. Um, but, but for when COVID ends, there are some folks who are using this creative creativity to put food on their table mm -hmm. um and you're and they are going through a lot as they're trying to figure out their creative process right so we're so kenny's going to give us some insight on that tonight i'm excited i'm i'm hyped yes we yes. have stellar guests always look we always gonna try to bring y'all the best on brewing black always gotta keep the quality right so kenny is a brilliant person um after the show please check out his article on karen yes that man be spitting he be talking that talk right oh always always yeah yeah Ken kenny is about that about that life and he's going to give you exactly what you need to hear okay always yes so what we're going to do while we're waiting on uh, kenny to join us is that we're we're going to um, try to get into um, some of the segments that we usually go into um and then you know kenny is going to be joining us and then sort of weighing in um himself 
Mm-hmm. Are y'all ready to get started? Yeah. Shall we? So what's our first segment? So our first segment is uh, known as something we like to call the light roast. roast. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes. Always keep it sizzle, sizzle. Sizzle, sizzle. So basically the light roast is when we sort of critique something that's going on in society or something that someone has said or done. Um, but we also try to give some positivity around it um and we give y'all some motivational quotes because like uh the the light roast coffee in the morning it can be hot it can sizzle mm-hmm. but it can also lift your spirit so that's the point of it right make your rise that's up. it that's it so um our quote for today is basically that part of the healing process is sharing with other people who care um i think that this is extremely important given how much of a doozy of a week it's been Mm. um and y'all we're going to be getting into that um as well but um it's it's just definitely been a very heavy week for all of us um not only with just covid and stuff going around but the lives that have been lost and we're going to sort of get into that and get into what the implications of those things are especially given our state as black people and this particular week as black males man yeah it's like our, our we've realized i mean i think we've always realized but like our bodies are just vulnerable. Yeah. I think that we've like, we're constantly reminded. I think we can go some weeks without like seeing a, a direct attack on our body, right? But I think that like these past few days have really shown that like, there's a lot that can attack us. Like it can be our own people. It can be the police. It can be just white vigilantes. Like vigilantes, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's whoever feels empowered to take our lives. Like it's almost up for grabs. And it reminds us that we are very vulnerable um, that we're a vulnerable population and that like we need to be loved and like care for as well yeah yeah um and you know shout out to all the people um in our communities um who have checked in on us to make sure that we're good um and this is this is also a time yo kd what's going on this- our man kenny in the building yes yes we can hear you brother yes yes um this- That's what I'm no worries no worries at all um and so it's oh he left Oh no! Oh snap! We're gonna get him. We're gonna get him back on. Yeah, we're gonna figure we, that out. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's just been one of those things where, um, like you said, you you're it feels like you're getting attacked from all sides. Yes. Right. And it's like just, we can't get away from it. Yeah, and it's like if if a pandemic wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> like people are just like, yeah, you're still black, so we're still gonna pile that on. You still don't get to sort of take a break. Yeah. Exactly. You, you know, so um, we're gonna get into a little bit of all of it today, but. Um, we're going to start off our light roast with something that happened um, in, in Flint, Michigan. And um, Kenny, Kenny's back. Kenny, what's going on, brother? Hey. Uh, hey. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. We're here. We're here. So um, we're, we're going to be talking about something that happened um, in Flint, Michigan. And Kenny, we would love for you to weigh in on this. But we have to give our light roast to um, the family that was responsible for the killing of the security guard at the Family Dollar yeah. at Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Um, and for, for those of you who do not know, um, there was a security guard who was um, killed um, after sort of telling uh, someone that they need to wear their mask in the store. Yeah. Um, that person like went back to their home, brought their their, their spouse or their partner, and they uh, killed the, the security guard. And the security guard had about eight or nine kids. Wow. Um, and so. That's tough. Yeah, it was just, it was just sort of, 
interesting and I just hate that it had to happen at this time um, and unfortunately the people were the people who like shot this African-American man was like other African-American people um, and that's tough yeah yeah and, I don't, and we don't believe on this this notion of like black on black stuff because we know it's about proximity absolutely and income and stuff like that but um, Kenny Kenny being a native of Detroit of the Detroit Michigan um, how has this sort of impacted um, your, your community and what have been the conversations around this why he told her to cover up. Are y'all able to hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So hence why he told her to cover up. So then you send your family back to um to do harm to him, to kill this man. Like that's just that's I don't need, I don't even know the words for that. A lot of people were just disheartened because you know we have to have each other's backs, uh, first and foremost. So the fact that we out here killing each other, I mean that just I don't know. It's it's sad. Like this man, I think he had eight kids or so. So these kids, they don't have a father um, alive with them anymore. Like his wife or his girlfriend or whatever, you know, she has to go without her man. And I don't think people think about that when they try to take other people's lives. So many people try to be this tough person or be the tough guy or the tough girl. But the thing is, oh, like I said, you don't think about other people and what they're going through. You don't think about the impacts of you taking this person away. Because now these eight kids have to grow up without a father. So it's just very sad. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, it's tough, right? I, we see that, like, because there's a narrative of black on black crime, right? right? Right. And it's hard when things like this happen because it's like that gives that conversation power, right? Yeah. People will look at that and be like, look, the blacks kill the blacks. They don't care about each other. They hate, they hate each other. So, like, why do we have to respect them if they can't respect themselves? Right. But it's like, we can debunk that myth of uh, black on black crime if we look at white on white crime or Latino on Latino crime or if we look at crime in Asia or right. crime in Africa, like there people do crimes onto people that are near them. They're usually crimes of opportunity. Right. I think mm -hmm. that's a big, big thing is that like you really you end up like committing crimes against people that, you know. Or people that are very close to you. Exactly. So I think that that's an important thing. But it's also true that we need to. There needs to be a value in black lives too. Right. I think that that's a big, big thing. Um, that there, overall, I think that because of like systematic oppression and different things like that, we see that like a lot of black lives by a lot of different people aren't as valued as others. Right. Because um, I think if that security guard was white, I think that there might have been a. Uh, a second thought of it right i think that like it just comes with such more, with so many more implications but like maybe i maybe i'm wrong yeah i mean i, I think it's interesting and, and tonight shout out to you for for that question right so i think another way that we we sort of get into this like what happens next and like how do we sort of continue to debunk these myths is also showing the black people who are caring for this for this uh family who are caring for these children because that's mm -hmm. what black people are also known to do right absolutely um and so uh tonight brings up the point of how how is the family that sort of lost this man how is the community going to look out for them how are they going to be compensated like how, how who's going to sort of raise, raise up and like sort of take the responsibility of making sure these kids are okay right mm -hmm. um and, and so we want to sort of think about that too because like you were saying um, a lot of this stuff is from the outside looking in it's like oh these black on black people people these crimes and so now we can't get mad when a, a police officer does x y and z yeah um, but once again like you said we know that it's a proximity thing we know um that that it can be about um income and we know that black people are actually just trying to go about their day most of us are just trying to go about our day Absolutely. right and so we have to think about all right well how do we spread the narrative of care yeah Right. Talk that talk. Right. So, Kenny, and something I wanted to sort of ask you too, because is my thing too is that Flint, 
places like Flint, places like Detroit, places like Chicago, they get these bad reps for black on black violence, right? But people don't necessarily take the time to understand all the great things that are sort of going on in these communities and all the great people who are successful and who are doing their thing and not bothering anybody such as yourself, right? And so what, what can sort of be done to sort of illuminate the work that folks like you are doing and the actual care that's happening in these communities? Yeah. I just feel like you have to look for it. I mean, you, you need to look for these good things. Because if, if you look for bad, you're going to find bad. But if you look for good, you're going to find good. So try to find, you know, other black creatives. Try to find um, people who are doing dope things that might align with what you want to do. Because it's there. I mean, there's so many dope people in Detroit. Um, there's so much innovation in Detroit or Chicago or other big cities with um, high black populations. You just have to look for it. So, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely there. I mean, we have, like, rappers, we have artists, we have everything a regular city would, probably more. But you just have to look for that type of stuff. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. exactly. And I think that a lot of these, like, black cities, too, we see, like, these chocolate cities. Shout out to uh, Dr. Marcus Hunter, <laughs> uh, my uh, chair for my department. Um, I, I think that we can understand a lot of these were, like, industrial towns. Like, right these towns started booming when it was like a great migration people moved from the south to like these these midwest like um these hubs right? right hubs of blackness hubs of blackness that we think of like you're from detroit i'm from cleveland like i think there's a bond there we we understand but also like i went back to cleveland like um over the summer um to see my family and stuff and it's like it's tough because i i'm in la and like la booming la jumping la la where's that you feel me i lived in vegas for a good a portion of my life but i go back to cleveland i see like cleveland as a dying city and i think that that's where it gets tough right because when there's a when it's a dying city and the economy's not booming then it's like okay well what markets are booming it's the underground markets underground markets also often come with violence because it's not sanctioned and i think that that's a big part that we got to think of it's like it's like you do you we don't do crazy shit we talked about this the violence right, thing because right. it's like we got a lot to lose but when you had nothing to lose it's like yeah what's up yeah and i think i think unfortunately i, I remember when i was working with, i was working with students in massachusetts and they were from like certain neighborhoods that had like bad reputations and stuff and like it's this cliche thing that people say but like I had students who were worried about going home because people were going to try to kill them. Mm. You, ha you actually, there are students act like sort of to Tisha's point who like, who are like, oh, if I make it to a certain age, that's success. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And right, and so how do we sort of start to sort of debunk that notion and give people the hope? Yeah, the idea that there's more to fight for, right? Yes. So like, just just as uh, like other other black men, how did y'all sort of keep that hope alive growing up where you grew up? Oh, can you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I kept that hope alive because my mom, she always had me in um, extracurricular activities or weekend activities, after school activities. Like I went to the YMCA every summer after school. I was in the pep club, um, the newspaper, tutoring for all that stuff. So I think, you know, my mom kept me busy to kind of keep me away from all of that stuff. Um, because, you know, you know, if you're, all, if you're so busy, you don't really have time to like really you don't have time to think about certain things that might tempt you. So I was always busy. I was always um, with family or hanging out with my friends and stuff like that. But I mean, it's not to, I mean, it's not to say that those things weren't tempting. I was just fortunate, um, blessed, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, my, <laughs> my mom 
was very very strict like <laughs> i could play with my brother and maybe that one cousin that she sort of knew uh, okay. um yeah so like i was i lived a more uh structure yeah 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 structure that's a great word for it thanks um yeah i lived a very structured experience um plus i was just a very sort of shy kid i wasn't um as confident really um, and, yeah no scholar p wasn't confident he yeah no, no yeah my my self-love was like super low back at the back in the day um and so like i think there's a lot of things that you sort of grow into but mm -hmm. i think that you know even though my self-love was sort of like low i you know, maybe had I been more confident, as confident as I am now, I probably would have been outside a little bit more uh, okay. and probably would have gotten into a little bit more, more trouble, trouble. Right. Yeah. So, like, I think that because I was more chill. Yeah. I didn't start making or doing crazy things until like I could sort of afford that price or that cost. And I was smarter about how to do that because I had yeah. seen people mess up. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I, but I think to, to Kenny's point, it was also a mother thing, too. Right. I had someone who was looking out. Um, and then I had a lot of examples of things sort of going bad, whether it was my own immediate family members, extended ones or other people in the neighborhood, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point. Y'all both hit real good points. I had my mom was the reason I didn't really get into shenanigans as yeah. much as I did. I did get into shenanigans. Don't get me wrong. Well, but like you said, like I also had a lot of structure. I had a lot of rules. So it's like I couldn't. To not get in trouble, I had to like really abide by a lot of things. I had to be in when the street lights was on. I had to like there were I didn't have a lot of freedom, freedom, which is like crazy to think about because it's like you need discipline to like really live a, a healthy life. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was like in the streets doing like little kid stuff, and I, I can see how someone can get in trouble. And it's like even if like I, I could have gotten in trouble too. I think it's like also being very smart about it, right? You see some things and you're like. I know so-and-so got in trouble for that two weeks ago. I'm not going to do that or I'm going to do it a little different way. So I think that that's also what saves me. Right. Um, but extracurriculars, I think that that was such a big thing. I played sports growing up. I played, I was always in football. Um, I played baseball. I played basketball. Played a little, like, I ran a little, a little track. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. athlete by nature type yeah. stuff. But, yeah. like, I think that, like, that kept me out of stuff. And then even in high school, like, okay, I'm not in football. I'm not in track. So what else am I doing? Okay, like, I was on, like, a constitutional debate team. Like, my mom always kept me active in other things. Like, outside of sports, it was also, like, academic activities. Like, and she was she was an ex educator. So, like, mom was too, yep. she made me, like, in the summers, bro, I had to read books. Like, most people don't aren't made to read books but like I, I don't think i'm at ucla in a master's program like with a 4.0 like without that, that. Exactly. like i i had to read books and like write summaries like or like write what i learned and stuff like that and so, so i had to start finding books and stuff that i liked. like like right. i was forced into that but i think that that is such a healthy thing and you, i don't i don't know like as typical parents maybe that doesn't come across like but like my mom was an educator so again i like you said i was blessed yeah, and, and um, I think a, a big thing, too, um, and see, what, what are some, some of y'all saying, right, uh, in terms of funding, and, okay, yeah, yeah, so I think, um, and I think that some people are making a good point about, like, how many circulates in cities, yeah. right, right, so, like, um, you know, if you grew up in a in a certain neighborhood, maybe the the uh, the local taxes funded schools yeah. and like and do uh, better after school programs and things like that. So yeah. like a lot of it can be circumstantial as well, right? Absolutely. I think that we were all sort of blessed enough who had who had mothers who um, either worked within the bo the box because something was good or th was able to think outside of the box, Ooh. right, for our benefit. Money, right? that's money right, right there. Um, and, and you know, I do want to say shout out to all the mothers as Mother's Day is coming, coming uh, up up. upon us. Um, but 
you know, as we think about the things that, you know, our mothers taught us and the things that we did do, we also have to think about the folks who could be doing, the black per- people who could be doing regular things mm-hmm. and they could still wind, they could still wind up yeah. in tr- uh, problematic situations. Those right? sons and those daughters that are lost. Right, right. And, mm-hmm. and, not, and not for committing crimes, not for hurting anyone, but just for existing and being, yeah. right? Um, and so I want to I want to sort of check in on y'all. I want to check in on our audience um, because, as you all know, we we suffered um, a, a couple of deaths that were um, mainstream. Cause yeah, I, cause, yeah. You know, it happens they, all the time, man. Right, right. Talk but, on that. Talk but, on that. Um, the one, some of the main ones that these this week was Ahmad Arber, Arbery and um, Sean Reed. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just want to sort of get y'all's thoughts. Um, especially given like the positionality and you know we know that black women are attacked and ignored and targeted um, yeah. and in this particular situation it happened to be a black black man so I, I want to sort of check in with you all as brothers and see how did that mm. make you feel like what what were some of the thoughts and emotions that were going on um, you know Kenny Kenny with you and you went there in Detroit and, and what was going on with with uh, us here in LA yeah I appreciate that because I think it's important I think that was what the the quote was to, to open up spaces for healing right and right. I think that's super important right Kenny what do you think oh, it's Kenny. Kenny might be froze oh no Kenny oh Kenny can you hear us oh yeah, I think Kenny might be froze. Um, so I would say that, like, for me, like, it was tough. I think that, like, I teach this stuff, too. I think that's right. the hardest part, too, because it's, like, I teach race and law. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're talking about my Arbery. Are you connected? Curious? Okay, cool. Um, So we just talking about Amar Arbery and um Sean Reed. And we just we doing a brother check in like as black men like how are you feeling like it, it's been a, it's been a long week like I think as black people it's been a long week because right. I think black women care so much about black men and I think right. that's important to point out and that black men aren't the only ones being killed by police it's not the only ones being killed by white people white vigilantes not the only people being killed by um, black people too yeah, yeah all it's, people it's rough. It's like rough. I think our bodies are just very up in the air like vulnerable disposable yeah disposable is such a good um a good adjective but i think that um yeah it's hard it's hard i think that like for me it it reminded me this week yeah yeah and so and so kenny did, did you have sort of any thoughts on like how it sort of made you feel and how you've been able to sort of navigate through those feelings and you know continue life as we're often sort of told to do um, i hear I, I see some of y'all saying that the connection is going out for for kenny so we're going to see if we can get him back on oh, kenny wait my man hey man can you hear us yeah yeah can yeah. you hear us yeah yeah, yeah. We can hear you. Are you guys able to hear me? Yeah. Okay. So, so what do I say? So we're, we're still we're still sort of doing um a, a, just a check in and what your thoughts were on how you navigate. Okay. Ah uh, yeah we we can do that too. Can can we will we have to say that? Yeah yeah. Have him call your phone. Okay. Okay. 
So we're going to take a short break. We're going to have Kenny call us and then um, I'll, we'll start a new live. So we'll be right back. And we appreciate y'all tapping in. And we sorry for the technical difficulties. We don't really know what's going on. But, like, you know, we got to rock with it. Yeah. Lean with it, rock with it, do what we can. Yeah, and we got Kenny on the line right now. Uh, Kenny, give us one sec- second. Yeah. Okay. So, Kenny, what we're talking about is the um, Ahmad Arbery and um, Sean Reed situation. And just kind of doing a brother check-in, seeing, like, how it feels. Um just to know that your body is vulnerable, right? Just yeah. to to know that like so much is going on, and like we just want to see what you think and how you feel. Yeah. So honestly, at first I was exhausted, and now I'm just angry. Um, it probably feels bad to say that I'm angry at all white people, but I just am. Uh, like the NAACP, I don't. You guys are able to hear me fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the NAACP, the title of their newest campaign is, I believe, We Are Done Dying. And at this point, I may have taken it, I may have taken that title as something a little bit more radical, or maybe I would have liked it to be more radical, because I'm just angry. Oh, you know, I'm angry to think that any one of us, you know, we can go try to exercise and get our health right, and we can be shot, we can be hunted down like animals. You know, this is just exhausting at this point. I don't understand. What is the point of video phones? I mean... You know, we're recording all these deaths of us, or these deaths of us are all being recorded. You know, they're going viral, but people still just don't take our lives seriously. People don't hold us in the same regard as um, they do for white lives. And it's just, I'm just angry. And I, I don't know, I'm trying to rationalize how I feel, but every time I think about it, I just get angry, I get pissed off, I want to run my fist to the wall. I'm just mad. We appreciate that. How you feel, bro? Um, yeah, you know, and, and I've had a few people check in on me to make sure I'm, I'm cool. I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like I've always been numb. I've been numb for years with this mm. type of thing, right? That's deep. Yeah, I, I feel like numbness describes it for me because it's just like the only thing I can do at this point is continue um, or or give up, right? Mm. Um, because there's, there's no such thing as protection, yeah, right? That's a bar. Yeah, and, and like ever there mm. and like and there never has been yeah and and to be honest i don't think there ever will be like in terms of a guarantee of protection for black bodies right mm-hmm. and so to kenny's point yeah very upset very upset and at the same time i'm sort of like all right so what can i do now like i sort of i sort of tune not necessarily tune it all the way out yeah. but i'm like all right i have to keep going because shoot i don't know how much longer i have left yeah like, absolutely like, you know what i'm saying the next time i step outside could be my last time yes you know what i'm saying y- yes you you become so like aware of your like existence yeah so aware of like your life and that like that it's finite i think that that has really been that's been fucking with me yeah. i think that's that's more than anything like okay so as a high schooler i'm not gonna lie i think i, I thought i was invincible of course yeah. i thought that like young people really don't die like that and then there were people around my um around my age like at my school dying and like around at the other schools because we went to like a inner city school that's what they would call it people died um gun violence different things like that but i think that like when michael brown happened then we were hit with like alton sterling and um eric garner and um rakia boy just all of these names i was so overwhelmed i think it was just so much to take in it was oh man like it was stressful right it was just so much 
And I, that that in itself taught me, like Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice was twelve in Cleveland, Ohio. Like that could have been me at any point. So I think that that was so. It was so tough for me. I was like, I didn't know like how to deal with that and how to know that like my body was like up for grabs. And then I was also in uh, Boise, Idaho, so it was like it was tough. It was like I'm by myself and all of that. So yeah, I, I think that like with this, it, it's just kind of a reminder, a reminder that like I'm existing, and it's like that I, I can't take it for granted. I think that's the thing that you said. Yeah. Like I can't take it for granted. Um, I did the run today. I, like I run with Ahmad. Um, and it was like a uh, 2.3 miles. I ended up doing like 2.6. Um, but like I kept pushing. Like I was tired. I think that like yeah, my like if you look at my time, my time like Elder was talking about how like my time looked good. But it was like each time that like I was cramping up or I was hurting, it was just like I gotta keep pushing because like I don't know how long I'm gonna be alive. Right. And that's right. tough. Yeah, yeah, and so some of y'all are, uh, so shout out to you, Tanaya, we, we see that you did the run. Um, some people wanted to know what, what Kenny said. Kenny, your, your, your people are wanting to hear you and re do a recap of what you said, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll let you sort of go back into it, but you were talking about your anger and how frustrated you are at, at this process and this experience. Will you speak more to that again for the folks who might have missed you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm pissed. It's some bullshit. I mean, wait, can we curse here? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's James Baldwin talks about this idea uh, to be a Negro, uh, Negro in America is to be in constant rage, oh, right? That's right. A bar. So, like, when you really think about it, because Kenny, I, I totally agree, right? And, and me and T talk about this too, where it's just like, I think that everyone is excited, because let, let's be real, right? Everyone's excited and everything's being sort of sensationalized and shared, like, oh, the, these people got charged, these people got charged. I don't give a damn about any of that until we see a sentencing, Absolutely. a harsh one, something that, that shows you the totality of the, of the crime that these two men committed on this black Absolutely. man, right? And that's, and that's what I want to share. That's what I want to go viral, right? Because we've seen this way too many times. And so I, I can appreciate us having the small wins and taking pride in those small wins. Yeah. However, like, you know what I'm saying? That's a low-ass bar. Yeah. That's a low-ass bar. And I, 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 can't, I can't rock with that. And so I think that my anger that's comes in. yeah like my anger comes in on the legal side yeah like i don't i don't really care about anything that happens until these i i see the sentence these two men get because yeah. we saw amber geiger kill kill a man in his own house yeah and we saw and we saw people pat her hair yeah. give her hugs yeah and some of this was the dude's family which you know yeah. if you forgive you forgive but like yeah. come on now come on yeah i get that and like also like i don't want um sean reed to be lost in this too right right, right. i think that a lot of the conversation has been stemmed around ahmaud arbery and i think that's important the man was an innocent man jogging and that's what we was running for right, right. just to, to for that reminder 
but I don't know exactly what Sean Reed did, but it seemed like he was running from the law, right? Yeah. But he knew that his life was in danger, and he took off sprinting. He took off running. He told us where he was parking. He told us where he was going, and he took off running. He was on Facebook Live because he knew that his his life was in danger, and I think that that's the most important part that he knew his life was in danger, and they still took that shit. Yeah. And that's where that's what where I more than anything grinds my gears because he's not the respectable one. He's the one that's gonna get lost. He's the one we not gonna talk about because Ooh. he broke he broke a law. It's like he broke a law. Yeah. So like it's like Laquan McDonald. It's like yeah, people gonna talk about Botom Jean because somebody came into his house and killed him when he was minding his own damn business, right? But it's like. Even when we break the law, even when we forced to break the law, right? I think because that's a, that's a big part. It's like we're forced into this situation so 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 often yeah. because people not getting hired, people not like you got to make ends meet somehow. And like maybe he just was bullshitting, and like that's cool too. But like he shouldn't have been killed for running away, like right. shot in the back, and then fired into like twenty times. Well, and, and here's and here's the thing, T. Shaw Kenny, li- li- listen to me on this, and and for our audience, just pay attention with me on this for a second, um, and because uh, someone's talking about how Sean Reed was actually got stopped for a speeding ticket, y'all. When uh, let's see, when Dylan Roof killed those non-black people in South Carolina, the Charleston Church in, in South Carolina, he was taken to get freaking Burger King. All right, now, but but let's let's rewind, right? Mm-hmm. When when white people do this and and they know they can do it with black bodies, what we don't understand and what white folks don't understand is that when white people know that they can get away with murdering murdering bodies, they don't just murder black bodies. They yes. murder everybody. All of them. I know I've, I, have, I have done stories on white guys who have killed multiple people and run out, attacked the cops, and they still did not end up killed. They still barely ended up injured or bruised. Talk right? about it. And I think that's that's also the disparity, right? Because a speeding ticket is not killing someone. A speeding ticket is not attacking an officer. At all. And what we don't realize is that that double double standard is killing us all. Mm-hmm. You understand? So it's so it's it's one of those things that I get upset about that I feel like a lot of people miss. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and so and so we we also want to hear what what you you all thoughts are about you know how you're healing how you're processing this um because i know a lot of it was also shared yeah too. a lot of the videos yeah. were shared can we talk about that too um kenny i actually want to i want to hear what you think because i i've been like trying to grapple with this question right i've heard like i i I heard and I've ascribed to the idea that like we don't need to be sharing these videos because the videos don't do much. Right. I think the videos more than anything just like normalizes this like atrocity. It really like desensitizes us to like the loss of black life because we've seen it just so many times. And for some fucking for some reason, I'm compelled to watch it every time. And I don't know why, because I know what's coming. I know how I'm going to feel, but I still open it and I still watch it. And nothing comes out of it. But I can say that, like, these people were arrested. And, like, I think the thing that's kind of, like, made me grapple with this question is that I think it was February 24th that it happened, right? Or February 23rd. So it's, like, without that video, like, I don't know nothing about this. And that was, what, three months ago? So it's, like, without the video, do we have even an inkling of justice? Do we have any type of awareness to, like, ask for this justice? And, like... But we know how damaging this video is because we know that the video doesn't mean in a, a it doesn't mean a charge like it doesn't mean a uh, it means an arrest maybe but maybe, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean a was it the a prosecution yeah what, it doesn't what, mean the indictment it doesn't and, mean nothing yeah you know they said they're gonna take it to a grand jury and like we know a grand jury is to ask if we need to bring charges like so yeah Kenny I want to hear what you think about um the video sharing 
So I do think it. Um, I, I do think it is definitely triggering. You guys can hear me well, right? Yes. I do think it's totally triggering for people to share the video across social media. But I saw something on the internet where that really put it in perspective for me. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Emmett Hill, but his mother, Mamie Hill, I think that was her name. She yeah. she had an open casket for him, and I think her reason was, correct me if I'm wrong, that she wanted to show people what the white people had done to her son. So what, what if it's something like that? Like, what if we need to keep sharing these videos to just keep letting the world know this is what white people are doing to us? Maybe it's something of awareness. But, you know, I totally agree that it, it is triggering. And I don't like when people like Sean King continue to continue to share um, videos of us being slain and killed in the streets and shit like that just to, um, you know, increase this clout or increase this platform so we can come in like the cashew complexion um, Hercules and just save the day. Like, that shit is irritating as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kenny, um, I've I've heard those similar things about Emmett Till, and and we can make the same argument about MLK and like wanting to do nonviolent protests. So mm-hmm. people saw how black people were getting brutalized, and it's on the airwaves and it's on the TVs, and yeah. now the whole world sees it. Yeah. Right? And so it, it's it's so interesting because it's like you know our violence has to sort of be spread, and we have to be hurt hurt by it so that we get sympathy from the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. And so it's not just enough that we're suffering, but you have to see it. You have to see how much we're being hurt. And that's when you start to actually care. That's when you're like, oh, now it's gone too far. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like you're trying to invoke those white Karen tears, right? Yeah. If you can get the Karen tears, then somebody will care. Yeah. It's like black people can cry, black women can cry, black mothers can cry, and it don't mean shit. It's like, oh, well, that was the thug, and like that's what needed to happen. But if you can get some Karens to care, yes. then we might change something. And I think that like Noma made a great point. She said that like it's funny how um when well she didn't say it's funny how but she was pretty much saying that like um when Emmett Till's mother did that it wasn't normalized right, right, right. it was it was very like it, it shocked the world because people didn't know the brutalness and the violence that like were done to black people and it like exposed that to the world but like now we know we really know now so like does the video make a lot of sense because it's like we're I think for us it's just a constant reminder like some for I guess maybe for some white people it's like oh wow this is still happening in 2020 it was just happening in 2018 and 2017 and 2016 but like maybe they just need those but like we don't and i think that that has a lot of harm on to our personal psyche yeah and i and i feel like black people gathered to run run over two miles today so i feel like there can also be strategy around how to share the video, yeah. who to share the video to, yeah. who to exclude and make sure we, because sh- we don't ne- we don't need to know that this stuff is going on, right? Yeah. But th- but the ironic part is when we're thinking about other people who like weigh in on this stuff, someone like a Fox News contributor, someone who's more neutral and indifferent, which we know a lot of white folks are, yeah. right? Like the 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 ironic part is that they don't believe us when we're saying it now we're saying it now like back then right like maybe you didn't have as as much social media to spread that message but today black people are saying constantly like we're being killed killed these are modern day lynchings neil wilson here in freaking california got her her neck neck slit you know Mm, what i'm saying randomly by a white guy so like we're like we're telling people today but they still don't believe it until they see that video and so i don't so so kenny to your point I, i feel like um, people don't 
We don't need to see it. And T. Shaw, to your point too, people, we don't need to see it. But the ironic truth might be that the folks who are outside of our realm, who are indifferent to our struggles and our pains, who aren't our allies, they they might need to see it because yeah. they still don't believe. Yeah. And, and like we we can make we have to make an active choice because if that video and sharing that video is the difference between this man getting justice and not, I'm gonna go on sharing the video, sharing the mm -hmm. video. Maybe not to my my black audiences and stuff like that, yeah. but I'm gonna I, I want to circulate it somewhere because someone that. needs to see it. In I America, get that. You know. But and I don't have a right answer. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. It's that's like thing. I don't know if there is a right answer. I think that like there is harm, but there is good. There's so much good. But it's like if that shit don't if we can't prosecute nobody off that shit then like exactly. we need to find another strategy it's like you keep going to the hole on shack and you keep getting blocked like we gotta try something else we gotta start shooting threes at some point like there has to be another strategy so yeah i, I don't know i think that that's like an important thing but yeah yeah well and and well and shout out to tonight to like like she was talking about how she gets annoyed by the white people who like do ignore this and ignore it actively right mm -hmm. um and, and so sort of sort of thinking about that because i think that some white people sort of feel threatened today as as black people like come up with names or phrases that describe how white people treat us yeah and the funny thing is they feel threatened they feel like they're endangered while we're actually getting slain on the streets right yeah. and so you mentioned something something called Karen Tears and I think that's a great segue because our guest Kenny actually wrote a piece on Karens um, and, and what the implications of Karens are because some people got sort of offended and white women let, let's, let's name it white women got offended by Karen saying and, and sort of synonymizing it with the n-word and so Kenny will you tell us a little bit more about your your piece on uh, Karens and, and what and what sort of drove you to write that and its importance in today's society yeah yeah, I mean, I saw something so ridiculous on social media, and I think it was a bot or a spam account, but um, someone said that Karen is equivalent to the N-word, and, you know, I just flipped out. So, so, you know, I think we've all dealt with Karens before in our life, you know, the entitled white woman, you know, who is, is just mediocre, you know, who is just pathetic, who hasn't really accomplished anything in her life. Who, who likely never will accomplish anything, yet they feel so entitled to have some sort of control over black people's lives. So, you know, I was thinking about all the cares that I had encountered, uh, and I, I hope people on Instagram are able to hear me, um, but, um, you know, I had thought about all the cares that I had encountered, you know, the cares that my friends had encountered. Someone's right about it, combined with me saying that somehow caring is equivalent to the N-word. So, you know, I mean, Personally, white women, they, um, they're the biggest gangsters that we will ever meet. I mean, they, they need to be considered some sort of criminal affiliate or something, some syndicate, if you will. Because the thing is, white women, they are, white women love to weaponize their white privilege or their white femininity to just harm black people. And I think that's fucked up. And I know I'm not putting this as eloquent as I could, but the thing is, I have thought about Karen's in my previous job, you know, who tried to get me fired. I thought about grad school Karen's who was mad because she, her, her grades were poor and she, you know, she didn't do, perform well in the grad assistantship. I thought about Karen, a Karen that my friend had dealt with in medical school. But I didn't want to write about it. You know, I think it's relatable to everybody because we all encounter white women who think that they are entitled to our happiness, our sorrow, our joy. And, you know, I, I just, I was annoyed. I was very mad when I was writing it. Um, and I, it probably offended people. I hope it didn't offend people. But um, a lot of people enjoyed it, and I'm glad because I think a lot of people 
liked it because they could relate to it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, well, hold on, Kenny, because you said something very interesting. You said you hope it didn't offend people, but I wanna, I wanna sort of uh, ask you sort of a follow-up question on on that. Um, maybe what what if it was a good thing that it, it offended people, and who do you think it would offend, and and why would and why would someone be offended by your art article, and what might be the problems with someone being offended by your article? Will you speak on that, good brother? Well, I know people. You know, uh, some people are a little conservative, so I know that I was. You know, a little sassy in my article. Um, I know that I was saying some, um, some really, you know, I don't even want to say radical, but I guess just some really saucy and spicy things. So I'm hoping that nobody misconstrued that as me just being a mad person. So when I say I hope it didn't offend people, I just, I guess what I should have said is I hope people didn't misconstrue my anger for me just being an angry person. I'm just mad at, I'm just, I'm mad at white women who weaponize their privilege or Karen. But yeah, all the black people, they really, um, they fucked with it. The ones that I talked to. Yeah, let's, let's, let's have a conversation there. Cause, um, I, I totally agree, agree, Kenny. I, I think that your delivery was awesome and it was powerful. And I think that something like this, um, if it offends you, you have to question yourself. Oh yeah. Right. I, I think that, cause I, I also think that, um, when it comes to white women in particular, um, there's this wave of like white feminism and you know I've been in classes like recently where it's just like we can talk white women will talk about the disparities that they face but they don't but they they do it and they say women and females and things of that nature but they're only talking about themselves they're only talking about white women right um and, white is in parentheses right right and, and I think that something that white women don't realize is that they're an active part of discrimination and the oppression of like other uh, racialized and, and minoritized groups um and so I, I think that if those are some of the people that you are offending, then I feel like they have to sort of look within themselves. Tisha, what do you think? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I interject? Yeah. You know, I will say that I have never dealt, I would say that I've always dealt with Karen towards yourself apart. I've never dealt with like a boss-ass Karen who got her shit together, who, you know, is just, is just flourishing in life, who's just doing so well. I've always dealt with the self-part you know, basic ass caring, you know? And that's probably what makes me mad, to be quite honest. Probably I was, I was mad, right? And like, I would love to encounter a Karen who was just doing well in life, who got her shit together, who, who was just a boss. But all the Karens I've encountered, they just, they're, they're weak. I mean, they're, they're weak as hell. And I don't know if a boss ass Karen exists. I don't know if it's like a video game and maybe I have to go, you know, uh, to a few levels or something. Then, I, you know, I encounter a Karen who got her shit together. But I'm tired of these weak-ass Karens who are bottom of the barrel, basic as hell. I'm crying. One, that is hilarious. But two, I think you brought up such an amazing point because I think that, like, there's no boss-ass Karens because I think that, like, those people aren't Karens. Like, those people are, like, the people that we mess with. Like, I think that, like, what makes a Karen is making her this, like, this this sucker pretty much. Like, this person is, like, really just a hater. I I think I found this little uh, gif earlier, this little meme. It talked about like at at seventy that they're Gertrude, at uh, at yes. ten they're Haley, um, uh-huh. then it's Susan, and then it's Karen. There's just it's like Pokemon. They just keep evolving to this this next beast, really. Like more than anything, like that's why we're I'm gonna call them a monster. Like they're they're a terrorist. I think that like 
that's such a big point we have to point out is that like they are dangerous and i think that they are rooted in the same white supremacy that killed amar arbery they're the same that killed uh sean reed it's the same that killed emma till karen killed emma till just as much as the man did and i think that's the most important part is that like Karen was the one that told her that like she was raped or she was whistled at and or whatever the myth she told that she ended up making up in at all like she's a Karen she's like the OG Karen yeah yeah no no and, and I, I totally agree and um I just think both of y'all make make just such good points and I think that white women sort of try to like separate themselves and tonight tonight made a great point about you know them not sort of recognizing like womanism or like black feminism yes. and like and like my thing too especially as a black man it's very hard for me to hear white women's issues because it's like i've talked to white women in particular about at social justice conferences and they've been like hey ashton let me be honest with you like when i see a black or latinx man i walk the other way I, I, I stepped to the left. I looked at her dead in her face and I said, well, when I see a white woman at night, I walk the other way because oh, yeah. I don't want to be accused of something that, that Touching I didn't do. her, stealing something, nothing. Right, right. And, and if we're being really real, because this is brewing black and shoot, I'm about to keep it a beam. Keep my it a beam. Self. Okay. I, I, don't, I, don't check, I don't check for you in a romantic way anyway. Nah, hell so no. like, I just don't. I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Kenny. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. Go oh. ahead, brother. Talk, talk. I was going to say, you know, the type of Karen that I really despise is, you know, and we've all encountered this one. We've all encountered this one. You know, the, the Karen who is at the Black Student Alliance rallies, you know, wearing Black uh -oh. Lives Matter t-shirts and shit like that. The Karen who watched Lemonade four times and she suddenly feels Beyonce's and Black Women's Pain. The Karen who knows a couple of um, the baby songs and, you know, has maybe went to a few concerts or something like that. The, 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 Karen, the Karen who probably has a few black friends or whatnot, and, you know, she all of a sudden thinks she just knows about black culture. The Karen who goes back to her white community and her white friends, and she tries to call them out on racism because she feels like she is just, like, you know, an advocate for it now because she's taking a few African-American studies classes. Uh -oh. oh, my God. That's the type of Karen who I just hate. Like, oh, my God. Like, that. oh, you child. Like, that's, that's the type of Karen I just, I cannot fuck with. You know, I mean, because you know why I can't fuck with them? Because Tell us why. once you piss them off, once you take them out of their comfort zone, that white woman that flares up, you know, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Speak you know, on that. Speak on that, Kenny. Loomis activist Karen, you know, she's all, she's all fun and games when you're taking her to Beyonce concerts or teaching her city girls lyrics and shit like that. But then, then when you call her out on her bullshit, that white woman, it, it flares up. It, it, it flares up in, in a flash, in a, in a quick, with a quickness. And then she's, you know, she reverts to just Karen Karen. She's no longer activist Karen, but she's Karen Karen. And, then she, and the sad thing is, activist Karen doesn't realize that she is Karen Karen. Ooh, oh my God, my God! You said that so boy, many talk bars, talk bars, my talk God! That's a Kit Kat. There's like multiple bars like stacked mm -hmm. up on top of each other. Come on, Kenny. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna let you get off the hook, hook, hook with that one. All right. I want to tell us more and break down more of what you mean when you say Karen. Karen doesn't is an activist Karen anymore. She's Karen Karen. Will you will you tell tell the people what that means, please? Oh, you know I'm. A so, I'm a storyteller by heart, so I'll just give an example. Please. So, <laughs> I hope nobody sued me for this for like 10 years or something, but it's for... We got your back, bro. We got your back. 
Thank you. I hope you got my lawyer fees, too. I got so you. when I was in grad school, my first year in grad school, I was paired up with this white woman. And she was, so I was like, I was 20, 22 when I started grad school. But she was, she was low-key old, Karen. So, and that's no shade, but she was, she was old. But she was like 28 or 29 at the time. So there were probably some insecurities there. But she, she had done that assistantship that I had just gotten on. She had done that the year before. And this was the first year that it was going to be, like, two people on a project. So Karen, like, she tried to, you know, appeal to my blackness. But I guess she went to the Beyonce concert and she bought this too small Beyonce jacket that was four sizes too small or whatever. She um was at MPHC yard shows and whatnot, supporting the undergrad. You know, she she um was just, she knew who, um you know, just, uh, she knew who Maya Angelou was and she was well-versed in her writings and stuff like that. So she tried to appeal to my blackness, and every time somebody died, you know, or somebody got killed in the media that year or during that time frame, every time I would come into the assistantship uh, office, she would try to bring it up, trying to appeal to me, not knowing that she was triggering me. So, you know, she, she was active as a parent. But then, so the job of the assistantship was to educate people on bystander intervention. So Karen had done that, and there's, and Karen had maybe gotten a thousand or so the year before. But when my numbers started to roll in, I had reached two thousand, and a white woman just came out of Karen. Like Karen, she was colluding with people to try to get me fired, I'm stalking my social media, screenshotting and stuff like that. Like the white woman just came out, like you know, started starting rumors oh, about me to the other graduate assistants, trying to um. You, you know, just, just really messed up my name and things like that. Like, the white woman came out when she realized that she was mediocre. And the thing is, I didn't come in there trying to, you know, trying to beat her with numbers and stuff. Like, oh, I educated a thousand more people. You know, it wasn't about that. It was just like, I have to get the job done. But once parents thought that those numbers were surpassing hers from the year before, the white woman just came out. Like, she just started being really mean and really nasty. Like, one time she tried to rearrange the stuff on my desk and have to check her about it. Because, you know, I, you know, I, I believe in checking Karen. Like, I was, if it's not, if it's not dangerous, check the Karen. Like, that should be a hashtag. Check the Karen if it's not dangerous. Ooh. Y'all start that hashtag that. right now. It, she's just very nasty. And, um, you know, it was just a, a very interesting experience. And I'm like, you know, there's a... What we're doing is work for bystander intervention. This is bigger than your than your whiteness, Karen. Like this is bigger than your lack of style. This is bigger than your too small Beyonce jacket. Like this, it is literally bigger than your too small Beyonce jacket. You know, it is quite literally bigger. So I'm just like that whiteness. It comes out when white women are mad at you. You know, I got plenty of examples. Another one is my, you know, another job that I had. Y'all probably think I'm the toxic one at the jobs I have. I swear I'm not. I mean, I actually am a good person. Or, you know, I be having fun in my job. There's one job that I had, you know, my supervisor, she was a white woman. And everybody on our team had master's degrees. And I'm not, you know, that's, if you have a master's degree or any degree, good for you, whatever. Out of people, whatever. So she did not have a master's degree. She was the only one. And a lot of my experience, because this is my first job out of college, a lot of my experience was internships and things like that, or graduate assistantships. So she would just make little comments about interns not being able to do real work. And then one time she um, she asked me, she was like, so was your master's degree hard? Bitch, was your mediocrity hard? You know what I'm saying? And I hate to use the B word, but it's like, 
you know, white women, I'm telling you, the, the white women comes out when they don't like you, when you make them mad or when you surpass them, it just comes out. Like, it was all cool on my first week when I was, you know, cold twitching and shit like that, but after I got tired of that shit, it was like a whole different story. Hey, that's Yo. real. That's real. Yo, wait, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things, a lot of great things that you just said. Um, and so you you talk about this idea of like white women at, sort of doing this like playful symbolic activism. This, this yeah, symbolic solidarity. Yeah, this yeah, so, yeah. I like that. I symbolic. got hot sauce in my back. Bang. Swag, swag, swag. Yes, yes, yes. Black black people. Yes, hot sauce, fried chicken, all of the good good all the good things and. And it's like it was contingent on you staying in a certain place and you sort of not stepping out and showing your black excellence. And so once you started to show that, once she she started to say, "Oh well, he he's not just some some Negro that like I can just bond with or or just be above." That's when her her true colors came out, right? Yeah. So like, and, and the funny thing is, Kenny, I believe knowing you, I believe that you saw how inauthentic she was mm. from the jump. Praise. from the jump Praise. and and when she did and when she turned on you you probably weren't even all that surprised Not i think i think i think that's the crazy part right um but like also sort of just going off that um because i want to talk about where you are right now right so we're, we're we're thinking about all the karens that you've had to sort of go through and me and you've had 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 some conversations about this before but Will you sort of tell the people, in terms of your cre- your creative journey, what you sort of had to go through to become a writer for Blavity, which is which was one of your goals, um, one of your aspirations, and you know, sort of talk about the Karens that you sort of had to deal with along the way, and other trials and tribulations that people might not be aware about. Yeah, and tell people what Blavity is if they're not aware. Yes. Um, Blavity is a platform created um, for and by Black millennials. Um, it's the largest platform of its kind, and they have a whole they have a whole suite of stuff under it, like Afrotech, Travel Noir, um, Blavity Politics, and um, Shadow and Act. So you know, it's a whole it's a platform created by for Black millennials, and really, it's a tech company too. But I'm on the writing side; I'm a pop culture writer, and this um, I'm very grateful for the job. It was unexpected, actually. So. You guys asked, like, what I have to go through. And you guys are able to hear me fine, right? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you, brother. Okay. Are, are people in the comments able to hear me too? They, they can. They're loving it. They're loving it, bro. They're, they're loving it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm so, sorry. And let me, you know, let me tell I, you. So the Karen that I just mentioned in my previous job, you know, I had to go through her. That was like a, a year and a half process. And I just started from the beginning. So I was in a really dark place. I probably was depressed, to be quite honest. Because, you know, it got to a point, I was a communications manager for um, a D1 university um, in Michigan last last year. And, you know, my job, when I first started, I felt like I was on a great team. You know, it was it was very structured. You know, my job was social media management, um, press releases, and, and articles and things like that. So when my supervisor left, who was, you know, signing me these projects, you know, I was under the supervision of Ren and Fimpy. Now, Ren and Fimpy were, because a lot of people, I left the team, so it was really just us three for a while. Ren and Fimpy had are these two white women who I worked with, and I actually wrote about them in one of my articles on racism in a workplace for Blavity. But Ren and Fimpy were these two white women who were, you know, over 40, who had convinced themselves that my writing was mediocre, 
you know, never mind, like, my accolades and never mind, you know, the traction that my articles before, you know, them, you know, the traction that my articles that I wrote before them had gotten. Never mind all of that. Never mind that I was doing stellar in my job. They had decided that my writing was somehow, you know, just um, bad. They had decided my writing was bad. So they tried to take away all of my writing. And as a writer, when you're in a position when people try to take away your writing, like, the very thing that you're here to do, writing, it's like, it's very depressing. You know, it's very sad because it's taking away your bread and butter almost. So if I don't have clips, I, it's hard for me to go to a new job. Then taking away all of that and trying to overload me with like, you know, just bullshit work and things like that. And I was mad about it. So I had, oh, you know, I decided I'm just going to write for myself. Like I'm going to write things that I actually want to write about. And I enjoy writing about black students at Michigan State. Um, and that's probably, that's probably the reason why they took my work away, because I was writing about black students. But I enjoy writing about that. But I wanted to write about pop culture, because I love pop culture. I feel like I'm a pop culture aficionado. So I had wrote this piece about Cash Down one day when I was just going through it. I remember coming home. I was so sad. I'm sad, mad, annoyed, going through all the fields. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to write about what I want to write about. So I wrote this piece about Cash Doll, um, maybe like in February of last year. And I finished it and I was trying to pitch it out. And this is when I didn't know about pitching. This is when I didn't know anything about it. Like I was literally just trying to find people's emails and just send it to them at different publications. So I think around October, you know, uh, so maybe around March of last year, I had given up, I guess. You know, nobody had picked the Cash Doll piece up. You know, I was like, okay, it is what it is. So, you know, I'm just going through the, the flows of the emotions with Ren and Cynthia my job, going through microaggressions and things like that with them trying to, you know, just um, be malicious towards me and just tarnish my name and things like that. I was going through that. So then when Cash out her album, her first album had came out in October. So something God told me, he spoke to me, he was like, you know, why don't you send it again? Like, I know that you, I mean, you be interested in this, you know, I'm talking about how Moesha helped me as a black man become a feminist and, you know, champion women's empowerment. He was like, yeah, this is dope. Let's run with it. I'm like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, yes. I'm happy. You know, I'm just on, like, I'm still on cloud nine and whatnot. Um, it, it felt good because at this time, like, when he's running with that one and how we ran with the cash dial one, you know, I'm still, Ren and Simpy have taken away my work. You know, my work has significantly been reduced. Um, you know, it's like, it's really like I'm just going there for a paycheck at that point. So I'm, so I'm happy to have somebody, you know, or a big company pick up my stuff. And really, it's just what I love. So then, there was this other piece. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Gabrielle Union, how um, America's Got Talent, how they did the bowl on the yeah. racism tip. You know, they yeah. tried to fire her, they said her hairstyle was too black, they said her hairstyle, I mean, they said her, um, or they, they said her hairstyle was too black and they were smoking you know, in front of her, knowing that she's allergic to cigarettes or something, or her vocal cords are damaged. They was just doing her real bowl. It was some racist shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I thought of when I thought of racism in a work? Am I talking too much? Because I, I feel like this is a longer story. No, you're good, bro. Yeah, you're Keep good. going. Yeah, so I, when I thought of racism in a workplace, I went to Ren and Stimpy, like, you know, the, the fake-ass Powerpuff girl. You know, so I kind of, I drew from that, and I realized that Gabrielle Union, her workplace site is kind of the same as what we all go to in the workplace, but she's just a celebrity. So I asked I write about it, and I met editor, he was like, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. So I wrote about it, and that's like a fiery piece 
too, is along the lines of Karen, because I was really drawn from inspiration. And I just thought about, you know, I didn't know I was thinking about Karen's at that time, but looking back on it, I was. Like, how we all deal with Karen's in the workplace, who just disrespects us, even though we're the most talented, we're the most qualified, we are the ones that, we as black people, we make shit happen, but we're still discriminated against, and we're only used as token um, black people in the workplace, just for looks and figures and shit like that. So I wrote about that, and that's actually how I met my friend um, Brandon. I don't know if he's still on Instagram Live. His name is Oh Hi Brandon, but he was commenting earlier. But that's how I met him. Uh, we were talking about similar workplace incidents that we have been through. So that was so that was dope. I was happy that people were able to relate to that. But then this is when it got a little crazy. So Lizzo, I don't know if y'all remember in December when she had went to the um, Lakers game and she was twerking with a thong or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I remember it, that, every, yeah. Everybody was just in the uproar. You know, everybody had their opinions and whatnot. And, you know, my thing, I was mad. I was mad at people for really suggesting that Lizzo was a bad person for twerking in the thong at the Lakers game when you had other celebrities showing up in bondage. And I'm, this is not me judging, but this is just me saying it's on the same level. You had other celebrities showing up at the Lakers game in bondage. You had other celebrities showing up at award shows with dresses, like, showing all of their body parts. So why is that Lizzo, a bigger woman, you know, why can't she um, just twerk at a Lakers game? So people are mad and annoyed and stuff. So I wrote an article talking about that phobia. Now, that exploded. Like, that really exploded. I was on the article, I talked about, you know, insecurities and how people need to let their insecurities go and stop judging Lizzo and wonder why they're so insecure and look within themselves. Because, you know, the real key is that people who are insecure are the most judgmental. Like, it's not my fault, it's not Lizzo's fault that you don't like yourself. I mean, you need to take that up with God. You need to take that up with a therapist. Like, that, that's not Lizzo's fault. So I wrote about that, and that, they posted it on Instagram, and it exploded. Like, I had people tagging me, because they tagged the writer. Um, they, they usually tag the writer when they post up. They tagged me, and people were just blowing up. People were, like, tagging me, like, mentioning me in comments. Somebody said, well, Kenny, Kenny Ante is a bigger guy, so he has some bias towards Lizzo, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people are just kind of being mean. But that's fine or whatever. But the thing is, I've noticed a lot of women who are plus size, a lot of black women who are plus size, they flooded my DMs and they reached out and they were thanking me for writing an article and they were telling me how much they fucked with the article, how how much it meant to them, how they started to side out their friends because they were, they were somebody said, you know, I'm trying to side out of people I hang around with because they were talking about Lizzo, so I know they're talking about me. So that's just a lot of these women were talking, you know, were DMing me saying how much they liked the article and how much they got from it. Because that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? I wasn't too keen on people mentioning me, talking about my body size or whatever. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's a first conversation, it's a first conversation. But it just goes to show the point of the article, Fat Phobia. So anyway, that was in December. So, you know, we went on Christmas break or whatnot. And then, um... The editor, she, uh, Blavity, the editor-in-chief, a really great woman um, named Lily, she reached out to me. And she, um, you know, we were just talking, and she was like, so it seems like you write a lot of stuff like that, you know, that are relevant, that's relevant to pop culture that are, like, trending. I was like, yeah, you know, a lot of those things, they trigger my emotions, like the Lizzo thing or the Gabrielle Union thing. So then one thing led to another, and I was offered a position as a pop culture writer. Or Let's go. Not four time, not four time, but it's like it's a contract position. But I'm a pop culture writer for Blavity, and when I was just freelancing, so now I'm on a team. Um, I'm able to really get the support that I so need and that I want from their team. I'm able to, um, 
I'm on the inside, and it's just a really great experience. So I'm very grateful for that. And that was unexpected, you know. I mean, I was really just doing these articles because it's what I love. But to be able to write for a dream company, that's like my dream job. So I was very grateful the way that all happened because it was so unexpected. And I actually called Ashton earlier before this talk, and I was like, uh, I like now thinking of my goals on my mirror. Yep, yep. So I had wrote like a year ago when I, well, not a year ago, when I first started writing for Blavity, like in October, I was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to um, write for Blavity, you know, permanently or in a, or a more structured position. And then look at me now. Like, I do write for them. And I don't say that out of arrogance. I'm very blessed and I'm very happy, but it's crazy how manifestation works. And I was just doing those articles because I was, you know, really impacted by those. And I wanted to write about my experiences and the fact that they trust me to be on the team. Um, they think my writing is good enough to offer me a position. That means a lot because that's my dream job. You know, I mean, that's, there's some dynamite people on that team, but I'm just very grateful. So that's how it happened. But it's not, um, it's not something that happened overnight. You know, it's not, it, it, it's certainly not something where you just wake up and then it happens. You know, I have to go through depression. I have to go through, you know, haters. Because haters are, oh, I can talk about some haters. But haters are going to come. I have to go through that. I have to go through just periods of just loneliness and just frustration for all that to happen. And I'm, I'm grateful because a lot of that stuff informs the way I write. It informs the way I write. And a lot of it plays out in my life. I'm just very grateful. Um, I did not get my first celebrity interview that published with blacklove.com in January, I believe, the top of the year. Now, that is a crazy story. Uh, so that happened. So last year, I was going through the Rain and Stimpy. Like, really, we, really, I have to write a book about Rain and Stimpy because I'm telling you, they're like, like, T-Shot there, white women are terrorists. Like, these Karens are terrorists. They're gangsters. I'm telling you, they're like the mafia. <laughs> they probably are the mafia. So, um, I was going through the Rain and Stimpy shit, and I was um, watching TV one day, this show called Ambition. I don't know if it got renewed or not, but it's a really good show. It's like the Black Dynasty. It's on the OWN channel. But this woman named Rayleigh Evans, she is an actress. She's one of the actresses on the show. She was talking about, she had just did this thing called affirmation, uh, I am videos. So I am videos are when you say affirmations like I am beautiful, I am amazing, I am this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And I had watched her because I was going through it and I was like, God, this is dope. But at the end of that video, she was like, you know, if you are a media person, if you are a reporter or whomever, and you want to interview me, reach out. My office is good friend. So I'm like, what? So I'm like, it doesn't hurt to ask. I'm like, let me just ask. So I, I really thought she was going to say no, because it's not like I was coming from a publication. I didn't, I couldn't say like, oh, I write for so-and-so. You know, I wasn't writing for anybody. Not even my current job, because they're taking away my work. Hmm. So I, uh, at first, the article was intended for LinkedIn. So I was, I told her, I was like, hey, do you mind if I interview you? And we can just post it on LinkedIn to inspire, you know, young black professionals. And then her agent reached out. She was like, you know, we can, we, she is interested. We can interview you for about 30 minutes on this day. So I'm like, what? I can interview with an actress? I'm like, you're bullshitting me. I tell her that because that's, you know. Yeah. I was just thinking, I'm like, you're bullshitting me. Like, I get to interview an actress? Like, are you serious? So that was like, I spent a week preparing and stuff because I, I had never done that before. That was new. Like, I was really in, about to interview somebody in Hollywood. So Miss Braley, that's what I call her. Um... We talked, and she just, she was booming through the phone, like, hey, this is Miss Braley. She was so hyped, and I'm like, okay. So she, so I knew it was going to be a good interview, because she started off with the prayer. So, and then it was just a bombing interview. I like, really, it was just a conversation. 
It was just so beautiful. I wish you guys could have been there. I mean, she was just affirming me. She was talking about manifestation. So she was talking about a lot of great stuff. And I ended up writing it. And that, mind you, this was in June. So I had tried to pitch it, but nobody would pick it up. I'm like, dang, you know, I don't know if I'm, if I'm writing emails on I don't know if I don't know how to do a pitch. I really did know how to do a pitch back then. So I'm like, dang, nobody picking it up. So then in January, there's this group, there's a thread that you actually get a part of. It's, uh, if you're not already, it's called We Are The Industry. It's an email thread a G- through Gmail. And I was just like, fuck it, you know. I've been sitting on this article since um, June. It's now January. So I emailed the thread, and I was like, is, is anybody interested in a celebrity interview? Because I did one. I'm like, I'm just like, frustrated at this point. So then... Don Kara, the woman who um, works at BlackWealth.com, an amazing person, she reached out and she was like, you know, we interested. You know, let's set up a call to talk more about it. I'm like, damn, okay, let's do this. I'm excited and stuff. But then I get too excited because, you know, sometimes I feel like premature excitement ruins things. So me and Don Kara, we were talking on the phone. She's a great person. And I was telling her about the interview. And she was like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's pick it up. I'm like, you want to roll with it for real? She was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's do this. I'm excited. I'm geeked. I'm excited at this point. Hey, so, hey, Kenny. Interested- hey, Kenny. Uh, real, real quick. So, uh, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I want to make sure that we, because I know that some people are talking about, some of the fans are talking about the live having cer- a certain like time limit limit on it. Um, and I want to, and I want to make sure that we we talk about um, some other things that people deal with as a creative, right? That you can sort of bring context to, right? And so. Um, I, I know you can't see our the the screen the IG live screen, but people are rocking with you heavy. All right, so let me let me tell you, I, Kenny's been one of my good friends for multiple years. Um, make sure you DM him, DM him now while his while 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 we know him and we can get him on Brewing Black because he is going places. He's already at places, but I always tell him he's at the tip of the iceberg with every new accomplishment. Right, um, I, I tell him all the time, like bro, I knew this, I knew that you were going to be here way before. Um, I like, like I said, I've known this man for years, and we've always been talking about this type of stuff. And so, this man has literally manifested, right? Because what Kenny didn't tell y'all was, or or, or what what he might have not told y'all is all the things and all the rejections and stuff that he got along the way, yeah. right? Right? He he like, and, and I think Kenny is a very humble person, so he's he might not go into that, but I'm <laughs> one of his boys, so I'm I'm gonna tell y'all he he went through a lot to get yeah. here. It wasn't just acceptance after acceptance after acceptance. He went through and he w- and he had resolve and he had resilience, right? Um, and so we we want you all to be able to contact Kenny. I know people, some people have been asking for your handle, so we make sure we we make sure we pin that. Um, but we also want to talk about some other things that you sort of go through as a creative right yes. um and yeah I think, I think one of the most important parts was you were talking about how you had blavity um written on a note like a sticky note on your mirror right yeah so i think i think all of us because i've seen your room too we yeah. all kind of have our dreams pinned up and i think that's super super important but we want to talk about like how people put expiration dates on like our dreams and our goals. See, you put the, the sticky note up there with no real like timeline for it, but you knew you was finna go get that. I have things up on my wall because it's like I don't know how long it's gonna take, but I'm gonna go get it. Right, exactly. Ash, Scholar P, my man, got yeah. his stuff on his wall. He got a whole board. Yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah, he yeah. gonna go get. But I think it's important to talk about like the failures too, like because this 
I think progress is not linear, and I think that's super important to point out. Yeah, that's like it takes a minute to get to your dreams, and you you're at one of your dream jobs of Blavity. You have a contract now. You, we not full time yet, but we gonna get there. So I, I think we should talk about like just the expiration date that's put on. Um, we we as people put on. So like I don't know as as a graduating master student I'm like I don't know what's next like yeah. I'm kind of scared I'm like I feel like I need to be doing something next like maybe I should go to law school maybe I should do this but it's like I'm I'm putting this expectation that I need to be like reaching this pinnacle the the pinnacle that I'm supposed to I feel like I have a lot of potential but I feel like I need to reach that by like 30 and I think that's imaginary right. so y'all want to talk about that a little bit yeah yeah so so I'll just start something real quick quick and then Kim we're gonna give the mic to you so um I, I do agree that I think that we do put these time limits on ourselves um and I go through the same thing in graduate school right where it's just like I know that everyone else in my program like they know that they want to be in higher education they yeah. know they want to be faculty or administration or a researcher or a think tank person mm. and I'm like oh that's nice but I don't want any of that mm. i want to be an entrepreneur i want to be a media person and i've known that since since at least last year right <laughs> so like right and so it's now it's like i have to create all this stuff for myself yeah and it's like i i have the safety pad of grad school but like i'm gonna be graduating in about a year or two right and so now what does that look like yeah. right and so keeping that hope alive and also knowing that hey like maybe i graduate and i do a job and it takes me a couple of years even after i graduate and that's okay because the years yeah. are going to go by regardless absolutely you know what i'm saying and just so, as the years are going by now exactly exactly um and like i think i think people sort of get it twisted like this is not necessarily about who you are when you when you become be, when you become your dreams and when you realize your dreams it's about who you are on your way to your dreams and who you become on the way to your dreams right and all the discipline and all the resilience that built that you build up in yourself and that life sort of put puts on you right yeah and that's something that sort of that kenny sort of talked about he had haters he had the karens he had the the wrens and the other woman's name i can't remember because it's not that Relevant, you know what I'm the saying? The Rins and Stimpies. Yes, the Rins and Stimpies, right? Right. Um, but 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 Kenny sort of uh, you know persevered. But also, even as he realizes his his success and he's with Blavity, he still tr faces trials and tribulations, right? And so, Kenny, what can you sort of tell us about expirations and like sort of um, like some goal, like sort of dates on goals and how you sort of navigate not putting all that pressure on yourself? Well, I think if you, you know, we should all consider ourselves bosses. So if you are a boss, you know, that doesn't expire. Like, you you know, if you're a boss, you, you will not wake up one day and not be a boss. You know, you will always be a boss. So your dream, I say to say that your dreams don't expire. Um, if you want to go to law school, and law school is three years, I believe, you know, you're 26 years old. You know, if you don't go to law school, you still go be, you know, 29 at the end of the day whether you do or not. The time is going to be here regardless, but you have to, I mean, you just can't put expiration dates on what you want to do. And I think a lot of that comes from people, um, the people that we have around us, um, other people, like I said before, people are just, we're insecure by nature. And a lot of people let their insecurities lead them. So, you know, you might have somebody in your ear saying, well, you know, I'm, 20, I, I'm 29 in law school, didn't work out, so... I know that you're 26 and you're trying to do it. It's not going to work out for you, but, I mean, that's you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a boss. You know, my boss, my boss looks different than your type of boss. So, you know what I'm saying? We have to Ooh. stop letting people get in our heads or our ears and encouraging this 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 um this race to finish things. Because at the end of the day, you still are going to, you know, achieve your goals. You're still going to 
do what you want to do. It might take a little time, but you can't be thinking about, oh, I'm going to be 40 or I'm going to be 50. You know, I mean, the point, life shouldn't be a race. You know, it's still going to happen. You just got to, you got to get over that and stop letting people get in your head. For sure. Yeah, I think that's super important to point out, too, because it's like we know that Oprah didn't have her like big moment until like, she was 30-something, right? Right, right. Ava DuVernay didn't have her big moment until she was 30-something. She went to UCLA. like She hadn't picked up a camera before. You yeah, know what I'm she like, was like in an MFA was program, but like, yeah, like, so I, we can understand that progress is a slow thing. Like, it doesn't always just happen, like... And I think we're racing against this imaginary clock. Right. And, like, maybe that imaginary clock is because, like, we understand that our bodies are vulnerable and we're very aware of, like, our imminent death. Like, yes. that could happen at any moment. And I think that comes with, like, some pressure. Yes. Um, but I think that, like, we have to understand that, like, you can't rush perfection, too. It's, like, it's going to come when it's going to come. And we're not exactly sure when it will. Yeah, right. And, and, it's, and it's one of those things where it's, like, you have to believe and bet on yourself even when it doesn't seem like everyone else will, right? Like yeah. you have you have to love it and you have to know that it's cuz cuz the thing about it is and I think I heard this maybe from from ET or someone else, but it was like you can guarantee yourself this. If you stop, if you give up on your dreams, like there's a guarantee that like you will not see the fruits of your labor. Yeah. There is there is a guarantee. But if you continue and you continue to push forward, right? Yeah. There's at least a chance. Absolutely. Right? And and you know, I I think we don't talk about this enough like whether it's relationships or friendships or families or whatever, we a lot of us deal with rejections and like we get more reject, uh, rejections and acceptances. But all it took was that one person at Blavity to be like, Kenny, like, let me bring you on. Absolutely. Right. All it takes is that one person to say yes to change your life. Yeah, right. Absolutely. If you if you believe in marriage at all, all it takes is that one person to say yes. To change right? your to life. Change your what? whole life. Right. So. So I think that that's something that we have to remember. We're not working. We're not working for a thousand ex, uh, ex, acceptances. Right. We might get hundreds of rejections. Um, but if we get that one, those two or three yeses, yeah. those are the life changing ones. Absolutely. Those are what make life worth it. Right. And so I think that we have to just take that into consideration. You yeah. Know? Okay. So it looks like our, our IG live is ending about 30 seconds. So what we're going to do is we'll end it and then we'll come right back. Um, and then we'll finish out with our spotlight for the night. Yes. Cool. Yes. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Cool. Oh, look at y'all. Y'all back already. And we, we appreciate, appreciate the loyalty, man. Ooh, oh, my God. Y'all just like you love us. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, a, a, lot of, a lot of people have just been asking about your, your username, about trying to find your article, um, just giving you all the fire emojis, saying preach, boy. Preach, all, yeah. all of the things, all the affirmations that you could ever imagine, Kenneth. I, I just, yeah. it's been beautiful. Um, we've shared it to the story, too. So, like, once, you, um, once we're finished, you can go to, like, our page and then um, rewatch like the 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 live yeah and i also just want to shout out vernon real quick because he said two for we've had two guests right now we're two for two who have had really inspiring stories um and have been motivation so kenny just know that your stories are continuing to touch people and like Absolutely. i say brother it's the tip of the iceberg and so we we, we thank you for rocking with us hell yeah hell yeah 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 so um one of yeah um, one of the things that we like to do is sort of just show and shine a spotlight on people. Um, they were doing great stuff in the community. Um, so uh, South LA partners with a former NBA player. Some of y'all might know might know this man. His name is Baron Davis. Um, but he is giving away 
Chromebooks in uh, South LA. Okay. Um, which which Chromebooks? Is, yes, I need one. Exactly. I I need one as well. My computer <laughs> definitely broke down on me this week. Man. Um. So no wear we, and tear. Yeah. So we we want to shout out to uh, folks finding a way to still give back because you know um COVID um like all these other things sort of impact um marginalized people like black folks yes. in, in a very particular way um and so we we want to give a shout out to baron davis for finding a way to sort of navigate that and still give back um yeah that's yeah. super important to point out it's like top dog last week right yes it's yes. like people are investing in our own communities it's like shouting out uh nipsey it's like buying back the block and these are different ways we can buy back the block and invest in our block exactly exactly and i think there's something that all the uh, anyone who's tuning in or anyone who is a black creative should keep in mind that when you do make it that when you do accomplish those dreams because you didn't give up that you have a responsibility to be like the sankofa bird and go back and fetch it which means Ooh. you go back and you give and you give back and you raise other people up right Ooh. um and so we we appreciate folks uh like like can we appreciate folks like Saturn and, and we appreciate um, folks like Baron Davis all people who are sort of coming back contributing to the culture um, and making it better for other people um, and, and hopefully you us us one day right absolutely right um, and, and y'all so one, one thing that I want to say too is um, that brewing us as brewing black we will actually be giving you all the opportunity to be sending us people that you feel like we should acknowledge who are doing things in the community right so stay tuned for details on that but that is coming soon so if you have someone that you want Want us to acknowledge on this live who has been doing some some great things in their community and has really been pushing the culture forward there will be a way for you to do that and share that with us coming soon so stay on the lookout for absolutely that. yes and off that like let me give a big shout out to asu and alex davis hey they've been really working hard on like there's been a campaign trail i i just found out that, like the referendum didn't pass but we fought so hard to get a black resource center on campus we got one. We got the Black Community Center. We had a grant opening right before COVID hit. Yeah. But they were pushing to get more money and more resources for students that like. So there's Muslim students on uh, campus that pray. Um, They have to pray by like the trash cans like outside because yeah. that's the only like the area like at UCLA, UCLA. Like this, this crazy campus that they film all these movies at. They got Muslim students praying behind trash cans and stuff. So like, there was a referendum to push, like, to to fund different things like that, to find different spaces for uh, marginalized communities to like do their due. There was supposed to be more money coming to the Black Resource Center, a new space, and different things like that. And I heard that it didn't pass, but shout out to Alex, shout out to uh, ASU, shout out to everybody that was pushing for the Cub referendum because. I think that like that stuff is needed and like we have to talk about it because like maybe that's what reparations look like but that's what we need now right right and I, and I think to your point you know and, and shout out to Alex and ASU and everyone who was involved in those efforts and it's very important that you do not uh, and it's okay to get discouraged by by the referendum not not passing but to not stay discouraged right absolutely and, and as a community we have to think about what do we do to uplift those people so that they continue to fight for these things talk that talk right right because this is you know there's uh, I think Ta-Nehisi Coates said it. Scholar Ta-Nehisi Coates said it. Uh, there is nobility in the struggle. Right? Yes. Right. And so you are fighting for something that is worth fighting for. Yes. And, and it's bigger than you. It's big, so much bigger. Uh, you black UCLA kids, a hundred years from now, are going to come back and be like, "Yo, that resource center." Yeah. And who are these people fighting so yeah. that we can have something you better? You did the groundwork. Like some, it's a marathon. Right. That's what, that's what we know. It's that's a marathon. It. Somebody it. gonna pick it up. Right. It's a relay too. Somebody that's, gonna pick it up and keep it pushing. Right. Exactly. It's never gonna drop. Exactly. We never gonna drop that stick. Never gonna drop that baton. And never, ever, 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 ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kenny. We want you to plug yourself. Plug your uh your articles and different things. Where can people find you? Um, we're about to tap out, but we got to make sure we plug you first. 
Yeah, um, well, first, I just want to thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Um, I'm really grateful and appreciative. I, um, I, I feel like I'm on the real. You know, the black man's version of the real. So, yeah, yeah, baby. I'm, I'm grateful and excited to be here. But you can find my articles um, in my Contently um, profile. So my, my Contently profile is where all of my articles are, everything that I've done in the last few years. And that's in the link in my bio on my Instagram. So I encourage you to check that out. And I usually post my articles, new articles on my story and just link them in my bio so you can read them in full. So um, just look out for my story notifications and um, check out the link in my bio, my portfolio. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my my at or my handle is Sir Kenneth with two H's. So uh, look out for me there and really just Twitter and Instagram. You know, I'm always trying to put out my work. And if you feel like it resonates with you, please share it or please let me know if, you know what you liked about it or even what you didn't like about it. So thank you guys. Of course, bro. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I've, I've had some very deep conversations with, with this man over the years. And I'm going to encourage you all to not just follow him, but like actually send him a message, like hit him up on the DMs. He's very great at responding to texts and messages in general. And so, you know, just talk to him, pick his brain, because I think that he'll, he'll sort of give you a run for your money in terms of like a great intellectual and stimulating conversation. So get to know, get to know, know him, because I'm telling y'all, I look, we... I can see it. He's he's going places. This is the tip of the iceberg, yes. and and he is and he's and he is a very humble person. So as one of his good friends, I'm gonna bit, I'm gonna big him up. But y'all need to be talking to him and picking his brain while while you have access to him. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, big ups to you, Kenny. Thank you yeah, so much, Kenny. You really dropped the knowledge. You dropped that heat for us tonight. We appreciate you. I need y'all to really go check out his stuff. Like it's heat. Yes. It's heat. I've I've tagged it in my story. Um, but like y'all can easily find his stuff if you go to his page. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, and so Kenny, once again, we want to uh, just say thank you. We know it is late over there on the East Coast, so and you've uh, been rocking with us, bro. Oh, heavy, heavy, heavy. So um, we're you know we're not going to keep you for for too much longer. Um, but we just want to say thank you so much, and we wish you the best, brother. And uh, and, and you know that we'll be um, sort of keeping an eye on you and your success. Yes. Um, and and we're supporting you, all right? Yes. And creatives to another, like you are an inspiration, bro. Like yes. you really. You've set the pinnacle. You've showed us what black men can do in this industry. And, like, we appreciate you. Whoop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, I just want to say thank you, guys. I'm, I'm appreciative of you guys just as well. And y'all inspire me every day. Like, I think this is going to be super big. And I can't wait to be like, you know, I was on it when, you know, kind of first started before y'all go Hollywood on me and start having people yeah. like, you know, Beyonce or T and Tamira Mari or somebody. So I'm just grateful to be a part of this cool thing. And I just want to end by saying, and we kind of talked about this on the phone a few days ago, y'all, but to just tell everybody, you know, stop trying to, you know, network up, but network with your peers who are doing the same things as you and who are grinding, yeah. because that's how you go get to the top. Oh, um, let them know. Let them know. Network across. That's what that man is saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look. You got, you got your Tyler Perry's. You got your Oprah's. You got your Spike Lee's. You got a lot of great black creators. But the the magic is these people who are beside you already. Oh, me. There's the, so much magic all around you the already. People on the ground. That's what this podcast is about, right? Woo! Man, so you know what? It's brewing black. We here with you. We here every week. We rocking with you, and we thank you for tuning in. 
Yes. It's been a pleasure as always, as always. And we can never thank y'all enough. Yes, yes. And so um, like, like, like my man Tishaw says, um, you know, we want you to make sure that you keep the coffee black. black. And we like our podcast like we like our women. Black. black. <laughs> it's been real. It's been live. And we love y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. And we will see you next week, y'all. Thank you. <laughs>